Good morning. It's good to be with you. Pastor Brian is still on sabbatical, and so I have the privilege of speaking to you this morning. My name is Katerina Hinkle. A lot of you know me as Pastor Jason's wife. So are there any avid book readers in the house? Anyone? Seriously? Okay, two of you. Oh, oh okay, now you're coming forward. Gosh, <laughs> I love to read. And honestly, if I don't have a pile of books beside my bed, I do not feel safe. What would I do at night if I didn't read myself to sleep? Well, since moving here to Ohio, I discovered and devoured a book by Barbara Kingsolver called Poison Wood Bible. And the book is about an American family who lives in Kentucky, and they are going to the jungles of Africa to be Christian missionaries and to bring the Christian message to the people there. The problem is the dad, who is the preacher. He is a control freak, and I don't think he even understands the core life-giving message that Jesus teaches us and that he lived himself. This dad makes no effort to understand and embrace his surroundings. They're the people's rich culture and their land, their customs, the people themselves, the climate, anything, the food. He is there to impose his Western ways and his very messed up gospel to these ignorant savages. He's the worst missionary ever. <laughs> In chapter one, one of his daughters shares how her dad, the preacher, proceeds to set up a garden on his new land, but he's gonna do it Kentucky style. Now at home, I practiced this with a Southern accent until Jason told me I sounded like a Canadian trying to make a Southern accent. So after service, you can tell them, thanks very much, we didn't get to hear that. So she writes this, the daughter, back home, we have the most glorious garden and each and every summer. So it's only natural that my father thought to bring over seeds in his pockets. Kentucky wonder beans, crookneck, patty pan squash, Big boy tomatoes. He planned to make a demonstration garden from which we'd gather a harvest for our table and also supply food and seeds to the villagers. It was to be our first African miracle, an infinite chain of benevolence from these small crackling seed packets. Really? Oh, the daughter also explains that the soil in that country is fragile red laterite, and the rain is savage. So not only is the dad working with this red clay-like, very um, dense soil, if you can call it soil, it's very poor fertility. And on top of that, he's dealing with monsoon-like rains. He's not in Kentucky anymore. The condition of the soil was simply not made for Kentucky seeds. And then you add all of that to the fact that he would not listen 
to the villagers. Oh yeah, they'd only lived there their whole lives and survived and eaten and planted. But no, he's not going to listen to them. So no big surprise, the garden fails. The soil is simply not made for the preacher's Kentucky seeds. There's a parable that Jesus shares in Mark 4 with many of the same elements that are found in this preacher's gardening adventures. We encounter a gardener and seeds, different kinds of soil, people who listen, people who don't listen, growth and no growth. <laughs> and after sharing the parable, the disciples asked Jesus, uh, what did that mean? And yay for us, his explanation makes it into Mark 4. Not always is the explanation included in the Gospels. And we learn from Jesus that the seed in the parable represents the word of God. And the soil represents different kinds of people and their different conditions of their hearts. So I want us to keep that in mind. The seed is the word of God and the soil, different conditions of people's hearts. Through the parable, Jesus is teaching us the condition of your heart is key to living a spiritually fruitful life. Will you pray with me? Jesus, you are the greatest story and the greatest storyteller. You've given us this parable as a look into the truth of the kingdom, of who we are and how you've made us and how we can glorify you. And so I pray that you'd open our ears and our hearts. At the end of this parable, you say, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And since we all have ears, Jesus, I pray that your Holy Spirit would wake us up and that we would not just hear words, but we would hear your truth and that it would penetrate our hearts for transformation and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's start at verse 3, right at the beginning of the parable. Jesus says, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. So for this kind of soil, the seed falls along the path, and if you think about it, Think about the paths that you've been on. They're well-worn and they're hard. And in, a, in some cases, they're so worn that they're kind of shiny. They've been packed down and smoothed for so long by feet and wheels and hooves. And I think of the leaves and the wind blowing those leaves. It's like it's being brushed over and over again, year after year. And when I picture this well-worn path and the farmer scattering the seed, I, I see the seeds going boing, 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 boing. And it just sits there on top of the path, just sitting there exposed and ready for a hungry bird to snatch it up. So this is what Jesus says about this image and what it's communicating. 
Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown, and as soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Now, this same parable is also included in Matthew. And Matthew, he has a little bit of a different way how he shares Jesus' explanation. He writes, When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. So now remember, the soil represents different conditions of different people's hearts. Here, the soil is so hardened that the seed, which is the word of God, cannot penetrate. The person might hear, you know, they hear sound, they hear words, they hear a message about the kingdom, but they don't understand it. And we need to pause on that word understand. And remember, it's Matthew that uses this specific word. It's not the actual words. I mean, these are adults that are hearing the parable in the audience. And it's not even that they don't under comprehend the concepts. Rather, the person is making a decision not to take the message in. So that phrase, to take in, is a more full translation of the word understand, which in Greek is in Matthew. So why does the seed not penetrate? Because the person plainly doesn't have a receptive heart. The word of God does not penetrate because the person doesn't want it to. <laughs> the condition of your heart is key to living a spiritually fruitful life, and that includes a receptive heart. So I was recently going through my feed on Facebook, and I came across a post, and it's from one of my girlfriends. She had reposted what someone else wrote. And the post was about a pretty controversial issue in society, and I'm purposefully not telling you what that issue is, because then you might sit there fuming about it, and I want you to focus on the parable this morning and not that issue, because it's not the point. The point is the condition of the person who wrote it. And so in his rant, the author shares a pretty visceral feelings about people of faith like Christians. He writes this, these evil lunatics need to be removed from every office in the land and their insane religion needs to be marginalized and starved until it dies forever. Then they can give their miserable God, small g God, a burial if they like. Well, if nothing else, he's good with words. And so I share this as an example of someone whose heart is like a hard, well-worn path. They're probably not going to take in the word of God. You know, this is not someone that you invite repeatedly to church. Or when you're at a gathering, you know, single them out and say, would you say grace for us? No, don't put them on the spot like that. This is not someone who anytime soon is living a spiritually fruitful life. Not impossible, but perhaps not today. So what does this kind of soil, the hardened path, have to do with you 
sitting here. You're receptive. You showed up at church. You could be sleeping in, for goodness sake. But Jesus is teaching us, the church, that in his experience and in our society, in ours today, there will be people who are simply not receptive to Jesus' message. So let's put this to rest. If you think we're at a unique time in history where people are antagonistic against the Christian message, Jesus says, happen to him too. So does this mean that someone's heart will never change? Absolutely not. I know so many of your stories, and many of you were fighting against Jesus for so long, and then became receptive, turned to him, and began to grow. And think about the Apostle Paul. Oh my goodness, he liked to hunt Christians down, put them in prison, and then even better, watch them being stoned to death. So yes, we can and must pray for people who appear to be hardened towards God. Like our hearts, the condition of their hearts can absolutely change. The condition of your heart is key to living a spiritually fruitful life, and that includes a receptive heart. Let's go on to the next two soils, soils two and three, and this is found in verses five to seven. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. And then in verses 16 to 19, we have Jesus' explanation about these two soils. He says this, others like seeds sown on rocky places hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things come in and choke the word, <clears throat> making it unfruitful. Now the reason I group these together and the main point for both of these soils and the people they represent is that the growth is short-lived. Oh yeah, there's growth. But, and I guess it's a step ahead of soil number one that has no growth at all. But the end result is the same, right? There is no lasting crop. There's no enduring substantial growth. And why? Because the condition of your heart is key to living a spiritually fruitful life. And that includes a receptive heart and here, a trusting heart. In verse five, we have the seed falling on rocky ground. So this is the person who's all excited to receive Jesus. And then persecution in some form or another comes along. Perhaps their roommates begin making fun of them or they go to university and their philosophy professor mocks Christians. And depending on what country you live in, you could be threatened with death. Lose your home, lose your family, your income. 
And because the conversion is superficial, perhaps more of an emotional response than one rooted in a solid personal decision, the person walks away from Jesus. And then you have verse 7, the seed that falls among the thorns. And Jesus explains, these are the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth. And these sins choke a person's faith. And they simply cannot grow spiritually. So, going to be vulnerable. This is a confession. Of the first three soils, the one that I'm at most risk of being or becoming is the one with the thorns. Why, you ask? Well, read it. Oh, my goodness. I mean, exactly what Jesus says here. The worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, the desire for other things. I am so easily like the thorny person, the thorny soil person, I should say, who prefers comfort over godliness, fashion over humility, popularity over allegiance to Jesus. Okay, have you ever thought this? I think that my family, I foolishly think this, we would, we would overcome the odds of winning the lottery. We, we would overcome the statistics and we would do so much good with that money, it wouldn't change us a bit. I am so quick to worry about our medical bills, our mortgage, the girls' futures, when our income is unstable. I relate way too much with soil number three. Number three. If anything would threaten my spiritual growth, this is it. In his book, Crazy Love, author Francis Chan speaks to this very issue. This is what he writes. Worry implies that we don't quite trust God is big enough powerful enough or loving enough to take care of one's happenings in our lives. Stress says the things we are involved in are important enough to merit our impatience, our lack of grace towards others, or our tight grip of control. Basically, these two behaviors communicate that it's okay to sin and not trust God, because the stuff in my life is somehow exceptional. Both worry and stress reek of arrogance. Ouch. They declare our tendency to forget that we've been forgiven, that our lives are brief, and that in the context of God's strength, our problems are small indeed. In the context of God's strength, our problems are small indeed. The key to overcoming persecution, not worrying or being won over by the deceitfulness of wealth, is to trust God. And without trusting God, we cannot live spiritually fruitful lives. The condition of your heart is key to living a spiritually fruitful life. And that includes a receptive heart and a trusting heart. So I think that these two soils are a warning to us as a church body 
and as individuals. As a church, we must be diligent in sharing the full message, God's full message to people. Yes, life with Jesus brings joy and peace and tremendous blessings, and it brings persecution. We are called to die to ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Jesus. This is a whole sermon on its own. So as much as I really want to develop this point, let me just say that we do people a disservice when we falsely share that life with Jesus is just one long heart playing vacation. It is not far from it. Jesus tells us to follow him and lead the same life that he did. Think about his life and how it ended. As individuals, these soils are also a warning, especially here in North America. It isn't easy to be deceived by wealth and be worried by life. It's downright celebrated. Oh my goodness, keeping up with the Kardashians? That's the foundation of our society. If we're not consciously and intentionally fighting against the lure of wealth, power, and fame, we will undoubtedly become the kind of soil that cannot and does not produce fruit. Why do you think I run to my church family? Why do you think I run to Bible teaching and to Christian music and to apprenticeship courses here at the church? Soil number three! That's why I know that my heart is at risk of being thorny and a place that will choke out God's word, and I need each of you. I need Jesus to constantly plow my heart so that I can be the good soil. The condition of your heart is key to living a spiritually fruitful life, and that includes a receptive heart, a trusting heart, and a, we're going to find out, Verse 8, still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. And then in verse 20, Jesus explains this. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. Here, God's word is planted in good soil. <sighs> Feels like a relief just saying that. We're finally at good soil. And on that note, let's take a drink. Jesus shares that the person who is the good soil, one, hears the word meaning they are receptive to the word of God and willing to take it in. This person, too, accepts it. Rather than trusting the lies of the world, the deceitfulness of wealth, they trust Jesus. And three, this person produces a crop, meaning they are surrendered to the work and the will of the Holy Spirit in their life. Surrendered. A surrendered heart is the third key to living a spiritually fruitful life.
So when I worked as a campus minister up in Quebec, Canada, one of the students I was leading was a fairly young Christian. And I will never forget her story about how she became a Christian. So she still is and was the middle child between her older brother and her younger sister. And her brother, Jean Philippe, I just love saying that. I'm going to miss, miss this uh, illustration. He was the quintessential storybook Quebecois. Huge, with a full beard, a burly man, chopping in his own wood and collecting maple syrup. I might have made that up. <laughs> so my friend, Caroline, she's, she has to go to an interview in Montreal, and it's a good two, two and a half hour drive from Quebec City, where we live, to Montreal. And she's nervous for the interview. She's nervous about making her way there, finding it in time, and nervous because her brother has a temper. And she wasn't sure how this was going to all play out. And frankly, she was kind of surprised that her brother, the mighty Jean-Philippe, would give up his time and offer to drive her instead of just sending her on the bus. Take care of yourself. So she was thinking, who are you? And what have you done with my brother? <laughs> so eventually, they are in the city after this long drive. And as is normal, I relate to this. Her nerves are rising, and she's anxious to get there and get settled in. You know what we do. Use the restroom and tuck in your shirt, go over your notes, say a little prayer, sit there. You're all, my favorite is Superman's dance. If you don't know about that, look it up and then use it. It's awesome. So there's one problem. They're lost in Montreal. And if you don't know Montreal, it's like being lost in Chicago, okay? And she's beginning to cower on her side of the car because she's not sure how her big brother, Jean-Philippe, is gonna react. Is he going to do what he normally does and start swearing and ranting and berating the people around them, making them miserable and himself miserable? But what's this? He's calm. He's saying, it's okay. They're going to find the building just fine in enough time. And he's telling her she's going to do a great job in the interview. Who are you? And what have you done with my brother? Jean-Philippe was possessed by the Holy Spirit. You see, not much before this long drive to Montreal, a seed was planted in Jean-Philippe's heart. And he received it. And he accepted it. And then he started to produce a crop. And his life was so transformed by this message of Jesus that his sisters and his parents also had a seed planted. And they received it, accepted it, and produced a crop. 
And they're still producing a crop to this day. Why? How? Because the condition of your heart is key to living a spiritually fruitful life. You have a role to play in your spiritual fruitfulness. I ask you this question as we close. What soil are you? Are you the hardened soil of a well-worn path, the rocky soil, the soil overtaken by weeds, or the good soil? In Jesus' teaching, he shows us that the soils fall into two categories, essentially. The first three soils, they fall into the no crop category. And then there's this one soil that falls into the crop. This one soil is producing a crop. And what's the difference? The condition. The condition of the soils, the condition of your heart. We have to examine our lives and look at the evidence in our lives. If we don't have fruit in our lives, what does this parable teach us? No fruit. Fruit. Is your life void of spiritual fruit? That is how you will know the condition of your heart and whether or not you have a receptive heart to the word, a heart that is trusting Jesus, and a heart that is surrendered to the Holy Spirit and what he wants to do through you. Here at the church, we're committed to all living a spiritually fruitful life. And that's why our team, our leaders, have worked and prayed and surrendered in their leadership to provide opportunities to grow spiritually. For those of us who are here in this room right now, you can see the drawings on the wall. These are areas that the church provides opportunities so that we don't need to be the hard soil, the thorny soil, the rocky soil. We can be the good soil. And of course, that is true for our friends online as well. So as you continue to join in our community and take advantage of our growing opportunities, you learn what a spiritually rich life involves and how to be transformed to live that life. When you have a receptive heart, a trusting heart, and a surrendered heart, you can and will live a spiritually fruitful life. Will you pray with me? Jesus, your parable is simple at first glance. And yet, the truths are playing out in our lives right now, today. Profound truths that impact us, that we influence. I ask that your Holy Spirit, as we reflect and examine our lives, that your seed, your word, would shed light on our lives, would pierce our souls, that you would reveal 
the soil that we are today and move us, move us to the good soil, move us to further growth, further surrender to you. Have your way, Jesus. In your mighty name we pray, amen.